Here we are on a Monday, Ed, Tyler, and Jared back at it. Brackets have been busted. I, my bracket was just, well, both of mine, not good. The winner of most pools is going to be whoever has Gonzaga winning the title and whoever comes out of the bottom left region, the Purdue, St. Peter's, UCLA, North Carolina. Whoever gets that one right plus Gonzaga wins the title is going to be your pool winner. I uh, don't have, well, I don't have any idea who's on our pool because I looked at the standings this morning. I don't know any of those people. (laughs) You don't know the people? Don't you run it? Uh, no, my buddy runs it. Oh, well, okay. no, my buddy and myself run it, and so I get the people on my side. He gets the people on okay. his side, and no clue who any of these people are. All I know is Jared's giving you 20 bucks, and you're like, I don't know who any of the other people are in this thing. You're pocketing Jared's 20 bucks over there. I mean, Are you sure you're in the bracket pool, Jared? Yeah, mostly. I mean, I know some of the people in the bracket pool yeah. because I'll get vehemently angry that certain, like, uh, certain television personalities are kicking my ass i like so. to be, i like to be ahead of adam hill which at this point i am is that all that matters it's really all that matters hill? to me okay. it's really all that matters to me yeah you how's your bracket no not good at all i lost two final 14s on the first day that tends to put it backwards yeah not ideal so not great i'm not winning been been out since iowa lost my only chance of winning was iowa going to the final four yeah that would have been good yeah all right illinois I'm a genius. The first bite. The first bite is sponsored by Stephen from Australia. Did Devontae Adams sign a bad contract with the Raiders? I think he might have. I don't know if he signed a bad contract for the Raiders. The Raiders probably think he signed a really good contract. They probably do. (laughs) They're like, hey, look what we did. So we've had some actual details here. Spot track um, posted the actual guarantees of Devontae Adams deals. Right now, March 21st of 2022, only $22.75 million of that contract is guaranteed. That's it. If the Raiders cut Devontae Adams after year one, he does not get any more money from the Raiders. Now, it would seem very unlikely that Devontae Adams would get cut after year one, but that's that's not guarantee does not mean well if he keeps playing through year two and year three he gets this money. No guarantee means if they cut you now you get this much money. This is how much you get. And if they cut him any time between now and I don't know what the exact date is, but there'll be a date early in 2023. They basically cut him within the next 12 months. Devontae Adams only gets 22.75 million dollars. Now it would probably be pretty dumb for the Raiders to cut Devontae Adams after one season when they traded a first and a second round pick away from him. But that's not what guaranteed money means. Guaranteed money does not mean, well, if the team's not dumb, you get the money. No, that means how much money you get. So in reality, the Raiders right now have Devontae Adams on a one-year $22.75 million contract. And then what happens in 2023 is another $43 million becomes guaranteed, which is essentially, if he's on, it'll be basically if he's on the roster at a certain date in 2023, the next two years of that contract effectively become Guaranteed. So this is a one-year deal and essentially a team option for years two and years three. And by the way, if you add all that up, those three years that that's guaranteed, that's under $25 million mm-hmm. on an average basis. Like, that's not a ton of money in terms of average pay to Devontae Adams. This is a great deal for the Raiders. Yeah. Like, this is great contract details for the Raiders. And I think it's pretty horrific for Devontae Adams. 
I mean, he's really counting on himself that second year. And yeah. I'm sure they and I'm sure they told the agent we're not like you just said, we're not giving up a one and two and not taking him right. for a second year. But still, there is that option if something happens to him that we don't know about. Um, is he protected by injury? For this season, if he if he gets hurt at the end of this year, at any point during this season, it is no. He's it's twenty two point seven five millions guaranteed. If it's he a great has, deal for the Raiders, yeah. If he has some awful injury and the Raiders say, well, pff, we don't want to wait for that guy to come back. Okay, it's done. So let me ask you this question: We've all heard. I think Vic Tafer reported over the weekend that the Raiders have started contract talks with Derek Carr, and it's all been well. They got his best friend at wide receiver. He's going to get this extension. Why? If I'm the Raiders, I got Devontae Adams on a one-year deal plus a, you know, basically a two-year team option, and I've got Derek Carr under contract for one more year. Well, maybe we're back to you're going to play for the one year. That's what gonna, I would do. And why would – and here's the thing. That'd be – well, would, I guess it'd be funny. Where they – he went to all this campaigning to get his guy in there. He finally got his receiver. They're going to make him play. Let's just say they're going to make him play for the one year. And is he going to hold out now? He's got his guy. <laughs> He's got his guy, and his guy's going to come and say, "Wait a minute! I left Aaron Rodgers for you. Now you're holding out because they won't pay you for you know for more than one year." I fully expect Carr's going to get the extension, but so do I. If you're Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler right now, are you going to give Derek Carr this extension when you don't have to? Because here's the here's the realistic bad scenario for the Raiders: they don't make the playoffs. That is a realistic scenario. Hell, that's probably the betting favorite right now because they're still projected to finish fourth in the division. right? What happens if you don't make the playoffs after giving Derek Carr a big extension and you've got Carr and Adams and you're like, ah, we're Super Bowl contenders, and then you miss the playoffs? Yeah. What happened? Like, you're looking around saying, oh, boy, what did we do? I still think they're going to extend them. I do, too. But I think if you're the Raiders, like, the best-case scenario – is Carr plays with one year left. Adams is on what's effectively a one-year plus a two-year option contract. And, hey, if things go terribly wrong, if you miss the playoffs, you win seven games, you're not committed to those two. You can move on if you want to because, oh, God, that didn't work. You can keep one and move on from the other one if you want. So, again, I expect him to get it, but best-case scenario for the Raiders, they don't give Derek Carr an extension. He plays this last year, and the Raiders see where they are after this. Basically a one-year, no long-term commitment to, hey, we're going for it right now. And if it works out, great. Devontae Adams is around for at least two more years. Here's the extension for Carr. And if it doesn't work, well, you got options there. Given what they gave Devontae Adams on the guarantee, I'm looking forward to see what they give Carr. Like, we've always thought it was going to be a two- or three-year deal. I mean, I didn't, you know, I guess it could be a five-year deal with two guaranteed or one guaranteed. That doesn't even matter because the only thing matters is the guaranteed money. Um so that's going to be, I still think it's going to be a two or three year deal, like 30 or 35 a year. So based on the Devontae Adams contract, I think the Raiders are looking at this as a three year window, which to be fair, kind of matches up with you hire a new head coach. Usually you got about three years to prove it. And if you haven't done anything in three years, you're, you're gone and there's a new guy coming in to replace you. So it matches up well when you hire a, a new head coach, but Based on the Adams contract, right, assuming he plays well this season and the Raiders are like, oh, yeah, we give him a first-round pick. This guy's pretty good. He'll get the next two years guaranteed, mm-hmm. essentially. So, effectively, it's a three-year contract, and then years four and five are not guaranteed. If they're in this three-year window, it would make a lot of sense to give Derek Carr a contract that effectively is guaranteed money for the next three seasons. 
right? May, and right, like you said, maybe it's a five-year deal and the last two years aren't guaranteed, whatever. But that would make a lot of sense for the Raiders, given that they've sort of created this three-year window where Devontae Adams is their number one receiver. They can make Derek Carr their quarterback and they can try to build around what else they have on the roster. That type of extension would make a lot of sense where it's, hey, we're going to whatever, guarantee this year's money at 19 million, guarantee you for an extra, an extra two years at 35, 40, whatever that number comes out to be. And then the last two years aren't guaranteed. These cap hits are interesting for Devontae Adams. I was thinking over the weekend, a couple of people put it out there. There was one report that there, I, I don't know who it was, uh, might have been a blogger, that they were going to, they've come to an agreement essentially with Stefan Gilmer for 32 over however many years. Um, and now we know with Devontae Adams, which is less than I thought he was going to guarantee. Now Derek Carr. And one res- one person responds like, "Where are they, where get- where are they getting all this cap? Salary space? cap isn't real, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep moving money around. Because here here's the interesting part with the Raiders this year and Devonte Adams' cap hit. His cap hit this year is eight point two million. Yeah, that's which it. Is nothing. That's absolutely nothing. nothing. Because the way the Raiders structured this is for this year to have virtually no cap hit whatsoever. I think that's less than Cleveland Furl's cap hit is going to be this season. But year two, 2023." His cap hit jumps up to thirty point mm-hmm. four million dollars, which is insane to think you're going to have a non-quarterback with a thirty million dollar cap hit. I do wonder if there is some level, and this again goes back to the one-year guarantee that Devonte Adams has. I wonder if there's some form of restructuring his contract because are you really going to have him with a thirty point four million dollar cap hit in year two? Right now, where the Raiders really sort of rigged the system, as a lot of teams do. The fourth and fifth years, the years that are not guaranteed on this contract effectively, $40 million cap hit yeah. both years. No. <laughs> There's no. Ze- unless the salary cap goes up. Unless they've won a couple Super Bowls. And even then you might not. But if the salary cap goes up just astronomically in the next five years, maybe. But other than that, there's no way Adams is playing with a forty million dollar cap hit because That's he'll a be good buyer or restructure. He'll be thirty three and thirty four right. for those two. There's no chance they will if he's still if they're still keeping him after three years, they will restructure that so it's not a forty million dollar cap hit. But effectively, the Raiders did a really good job at making the cap hit for this year small. But next year, if they don't do any restructuring, it'll hurt them because it'll be $30 million to a non-quarterback. They, they could do that because their quarterback could still be on his rookie contract. So <laughs> they actually might be able to do that and then have the highest cap it be Devontae Adams that year. Hey, hey, don't get rid of him just yet. What are you putting, Malik Willis on the front page? Desmond Ritter? The kid they're, from Alabama next year. They're trading back into the first round this year to draft somebody? So it is... Uh, it's the contract details of Devontae Adams. I think you look at it and it's very, very good for the Raiders. Like they did a very good Shocked. job with this where if Devontae Adams were to play out the entirety of this deal, which does, by the way, does not happen in the NFL. Like the only guys that play out the entirety of deals are like quarterbacks and like kickers. Like that's it. Nobody else plays out the entirety of, of contracts that are more than one year. It just doesn't happen. They play at about half of them. So if he were to play out this entire thing, he'd be the highest paid wide receiver that's ever played the game, at least Mm -hmm. for that five-year contract. But that's not happening. In reality, he's signed a three-year contract, or I should say he signed a one-year contract contract. with a two-year team option. Right. That's what he signed. And it won't even, he'll be getting paid like $23 million on average for those three seasons. That's that's great for the Raiders. I mean, that is phenomenal flexibility for the Raiders where they can, if this doesn't go right, dump Devontae Adams after this year and 
after three years, right? He's going to be 32 at the end of that three-year part of the contract. That's probably when Devontae Adams will have a fairly significant drop-off. So terrific contract details for the Raiders. I I don't think we can state enough how good of a job they did. And honestly, what the hell did Devontae Adams do here? What, What was that? That's that's the contract. I wonder he if he signed? knows. I wonder if he knows that's what he signed. Right. He just saw the overall money and what supposedly was guaranteed. Yeah. And he said, "Wait, well, good job, agent." Like I can I can understand being like, "Oh, I'll bet on myself on one year." Right. He's like, "I'll I'll be good this year, and they'll keep me for years two and three. But even that, the guarantees less than twenty three million. Like this is not the twenty five, twenty six, or what he said he wanted to get paid thirty million before the off season or at the start of the off season. This isn't even close. Right. He got like 22, 23 guaranteed for three years. That's not even close to 30 million. Does the agent get his percent up front on the contract? <laughs> because if so, that's a, yeah, just sign this. Yeah. <laughs> I would assume he, not. He gets his 3%, I think, when Devontae gets his money. Yes. I, oh. think, I think it's just a direct deposit straight out Did of that Devontae guy should get fired. Direct deposit <laughs> is the way it works. I'm never seeing this. Coming up next. Who's that T.J. Otzelberger guy in the Sweet 16? Iowa State, who won two games all of last season, has won two games in upset fashion in Milwaukee the next year, and the Cyclones are going to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2016. 54-49, the final score. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. By the way, our bracket challenge on LVSportsNetwork.com, Sin City Kev is in first place at the moment. Uh, Ed is reading the newspaper. <laughs> Did they not send you an early edition? I think uh, I think Sin City Kev is winning my two because I, I don't know who Sin City Kev is. <laughs> I am not registering in the top 100. Ah, that's not good. No. Um, uh, we are, by the way, prizes for that. We've got uh, a year of free food from my heart, Mac and cheese. We got tickets to a golden Knights game, autographed Jersey. Uh, there's a staycation at the Sahara plus dinner at the Sahara. So I don't know the actual payouts for who gets what, but those are the prizes you can get. Uh, if you win in the LV sports network bracket challenge, by the way, if you go to our website right now and find the March Mania thing, you can fill out the bracket from here on out too. I don't know if you can win anything for that. But I just did because it makes me feel better. On the like, 16? Yeah, it's like, I got, it's like I got them all right, and I get to restart with all the teams that are in the Sweet 16. It's great. Um, if you guys need anything, I'm, uh, I'm going to be unavailable for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> TJ Otzelberger Woo! is going to the Sweet 16. Iowa State beat LSU in Wisconsin. Uh, as you heard on that call there, they won all of two games last season. Now they've won two in the NCAA Man. tournament. TJ. And they get to play a 10 seed in the Sweet 16 because Miami knocked off Auburn. So they are not even going to be, I think they are underdogs, but they're not even going to be, it's like going to be a point, right? It's not even going to be a big underdog to go to the Elite Eight. Now, here's maybe the more important question. Is UNLV cursed? These Desiree uh, Reed Francois hires. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So TJ Otzelberger has been a head coach for six seasons at three different schools. The only time he has not made the NCAA tournament or the NIT were his two years at UNLV. At South Dakota State in year one, he won the Summit League Conference Tournament, went to the NCAA tournament. Year two, he won the Summit League regular season and conference tournament, went to the NCAA tournament. Year three, he won the regular season, got upset in the tournament, and only went to the NIT. Then comes to UNLV. No postseason, no postseason. Goes to Iowa State, inherits a 2-22 and team, and is in the Sweet 16. UNLV's cursed, aren't they? 
cursed? He would have never left if he only left for one job. I don't know if they're cursed. If it's not that job, that's why they're leaves. cursed. He that's, never that's, that's exactly no, the point. I don't, I don't want to say that's cursed. why they're cursed. I want to say they're not very good because they're cursed. <laughs> that's the reason you're giving this for them guy not being has very been good? in the postseason every single year he is coached. He took over a two and twenty two program. Is in the Sweet Sixteen, and this two years at UNLV, he couldn't get to any postseason tournament at all. Oh. Maybe it was the players. Because <laughs> it's a cursed program. <laughs> it's cursed. So the next he year, He took they, one of those players with him to Iowa State. So next year when they don't make it again and it's been since 2013, they're not going to be, it's going to be cursed because they're not, or is it going to be they're not good enough? Listen, if Otzelberger and Chris Beard and Mick Cronin are all in the Elite Eight next year <laughs> and UNLV goes like 17 and 15, yes, they're cursed. <laughs> You're giving, you're giving them a reason for being bad. Yeah, there's got to be some reason. Well, there could be more they, reasons than listen, just being cursed. UNLV has made two incredible basketball hires in the last five years. Maybe six years now. In Chris Beard and TJ Otzelberger. Incredible hires. Ha, do not have a single NCAA tournament to show for it. Meanwhile, those guys go everywhere else, and they're just immediately... Well, like, Chris Beard went to a Final Four. I'll say they've made three incredible hires, and Lindy LaRock made the NCAA tournament. Okay, three incredible <laughs> hires. They got one NCAA tournament out of it in Lindy LaRock. All right. Yes. Beyond Otzelberger here, um, what happened to Baylor? Uh, the flag. Where is the flag? It's back in the garage. Although, as as I told Adam the other day, we put it up in the morning, and they were the first game out against North Carolina. Stayed up all day. We don't take it down after the loss. Wow. So we take it down. At, we take it down at the end of the day. Win or lose, football or basketball, the flag flies for the day. Wow! And then at the end of the day, comes off. They just caught up to him, man. They just weren't the team of last year. They didn't have those guards. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but they really missed Jonathan Chabachua. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying this. Um, but no, they just weren't as good. And Carolina's playing really well. And you know, I mean, it just that just that they came back, although. The, re- the we can get to the officiating. <laughs> we can get to the officiating this tournament. I mean, last last night the kid at the the kid at the TCU just gets mauled at half court, swallow the whistle, and they go the other way. And thank God they get. I mean, Arizona won, but if you'd have made that dunk and ended that way, that would have been just horrible. They swallowed the whistle. <laughs> the kid at half court who just got knocked to the ground. So we can talk about the officiating. Um, that was a horribly officiated game. Baylor, North Carolina. So what I thought was fascinating, and we've actually talked about this a little bit with UNLV. Uh, Baylor was down 25. And yes, uh, Brady Manick got ejected for the elbow, which questionable call. I think by the letter of the law, it was the right decision that that was a flagrant to. But come on, like he probably shouldn't have been ejected for that. But beyond that, the thing that Baylor did down 25 is they just decided we're down 25. We are going for this. We are going to full court press on every possession. And this is going to be the most physical 12, whatever it was, 12 minutes of basketball you've ever seen. And teams sometimes can get away with that if the refs don't call any fouls. And that's exactly what happened. Right. The refs, they did not call fouls right. on uh, Baylor's full court trap of North Carolina, right? When there probably should have been one on like every yes. possession in which they trapped. And that's a level of the refs deciding, well, we're going to let this game be physical now. And it allows Baylor to full court press and get a whole bunch of turnovers against North Carolina and come back and nearly win that game. 
that was basic. Because here's the thing. If you're Baylor and you're down 25 and you go for it and they call the fouls, all right, they're shooting free throws and we lose by 32. Who cares? But it's the right thing to do if you're Baylor. But the refs let they're them terrible. get away with it. They let the, they let yeah. Baylor just do basically yeah. whatever they want. Yeah. Say, we're just going to be more physical and bump you around like while you're catching an inbound pass and the refs just aren't going to call it. Right. It's going to be no problem. And it almost worked. They almost came back and won the game. But I was... I was surprised North Carolina held on for five minutes in overtime without Brady Manic. Like they were so bad for those, whatever it was, 10 minutes without right. Brady Manic. Like awful that I thought, oh, they go to, they're playing five more minutes. I was like, they don't have man. Baylor's, and their uh, one of their guards fou- had fouled out too. Right. I was like, Baylor's going to blow them out in overtime. And it was the other way around. I was kind of shocked that North Carolina basically got themselves together and was like, yep, we're still going to go beat them over these last five minutes. Yeah, I didn't think Manic should be completely ejected from the elbow. Um, felt bad about that. Look, they just, I thought Baylor, like you said, they did what they did. They get back in it, but down 25, I mean, just not good enough. And I, and like, like I said, I'm rooting for Baylor, but I thought Carolina just got hosed the entire 10 minutes on, on the, on the officiating. Who comes out of the South? You got North Carolina playing UCLA and St. Peter's, the 15 seed playing Purdue. Yeah. Man. UNC is playing so well. That's why I think they're probably going to lose, because that's always it. Always happens in the NCAA tournament. Like, what did you see last? Plus, they've got some days to prepare now. It's it's on a one day prep. It's different. So, I'm going to say UCLA. I think something the, tells me UCLA. I think the winner of North Carolina UCLA yeah, goes to the UCLA. final four. I think that's the that's the real Elite Eight matchup. I, for whatever reason, you know, I did this last year, even though they went to the final four. I've watched UCLA play, and I don't think they're that good. But yet they went but to the final four winning. last year. They're in the Sweet 16 this year, and yeah. they've and got they a good winning. shot to go to the final four yeah. again. So I'm still kind of like, for whatever reason, I'm like, yeah, that team's just I don't I don't feel like they're that good. But they keep winning, so they'll probably beat North Carolina because of Mick Cronin's dad. Apparently, that kid gets more to airtime than any of the wives. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Mike Gravala joins the show. Booker will try a three from the right wing. She drills it. Essence Booker with a big shot there. Actually, sorry, my apologies, a long two, but UNLV ties it. We're 56 all with 535 to go in the fourth quarter. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Grimala. Uh, Mike, you got to cover an NCAA tournament game as the Lady Rebels lost to Arizona in round one. Uh, was the atmosphere for that game better than any of the atmospheres for UNLV men's team this year? By far, but that's not a that's not a fair comparison, obviously, because one is an NCAA tournament game played on your home court, on your on campus arena. Um, so yeah, it, it was a pretty pretty great atmosphere for that that game against Arizona. Do you think they keep Lindy LaRock? You think she's gone after one NCAA tournament appearance and UNLV women's basketball becomes the running rebels where they're always looking for a coach that gets poached to the Big 12? I, I saw on Twitter that someone said that they referred to her on the broadcast as the best young coach in college basketball. That's and not good. It, they did. I, I heard, yeah, they did. They did They did do that. They did do that. that, does, that does, to me, that doesn't sound like someone that UNLV can keep, but... The, the good news for UNLV, I guess, is that they didn't win that game. And, <laughs> like, if, if, if your sole intention is to keep Lindy LaRock as long as possible, you'd rather they lose that game, load up for next year, and maybe next year you can get, like, a Sweet 16 run or a, a, a nice, like, 
in like a, a real magical Cinderella run in the NCAA tournament with next year's team, and then you know she gets poached somewhere. So, but I I, I don't know. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that she would leave uh, so quickly. So um, maybe don't don't stress if you're a UNLV women's basketball fan. Don't stress so much about where Lindy LaRock is headed. Um, just try to enjoy that the team is really good and they're going to be really good next year, too. I was going to say, real quick, before we get to the men's side of things, uh, doesn't she return everyone, or mostly everyone? Yeah, I mean, per- pretty much, you know, uh, Desiree Young, Essence Booker, all the key players are back. They had uh, some freshmen that were big contributors. Uh, and, you know, she obviously can recruit and she knows uh, how to get value players out of the the, the, the transfer market, so... Yeah, I would expect them to be even better next year. All right. On the men's side, um, we see TJ Otzelberger go to the Sweet 16 in year one at Iowa State. Is UNLV cursed? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. For a while, it looked like, uh, you know, Texas might make it too. And then you were going to have uh, TJ Otzelberger, Mick Cronin. And, you know, uh, and Chris Beard all in Sweet 16. They were going to make up 20% of the Sweet 16 for, you, you know, you and all these last three coaches. It was, I don't, you put out the stat that, you know, T.J. Otzenberger has been in the NCAA tournament every season as a coach, except for the two years he was at UNLV. It's, I don't know, there's something going on. But as soon as a coach leaves UNLV, it's like straight into the second weekend of March. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Can you go over what you were saying on Twitter about Osleberger this weekend? I thought it was interesting because people are coming back and saying, well, had he stayed, and I think you said had he stayed, you thought he was going to win the conference tournament the second year, but also we know what happened with Zayon Collins and the rest. Was that part of, uh, of a curse you guys are talking about? Because uh, you, I liked what you said on Twitter about what would have happened had he stayed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural for fans to see him succeed in his first year at Iowa State. And it's just an amazing coaching job. And you see people, you know, media across the country saying, like, he's the code national coach of the year. Uh, all these fans saying, like, well, why wasn't he a good coach at, at UNLV? And I just try to say, like, he was a good coach at UNLV. Like, the first year he was here, by the end of that season, people, you may forget, but they won, you know, whatever it was, six straight to end the season. They blew out Boise State. They blew out Colorado State. They beat Utah State that year. They went to San Diego State which was undefeated, like number four in the country, and they beat San Diego State, just straight up beat them. I thought they were the best team in the league that year. I thought they were going to win the tournament. Then their point guard got injured in the last game, and uh, so they got bounced early. And then the second year, that recruiting class that they brought in was not good. That was just a miss um, on the recruiting front. But I, the guy could clearly coach. They were bringing in Zayon Collins. They were bringing in Arthur Kaluma, who you see at Creighton is, is a great player, even as a freshman. They, assuming Bryce Hamilton comes back, like that's a team they probably would have been in the NCAA tournament. They would, like, he would have won eventually at UNLV. I don't think it would have taken very long. Um, So I know that fans want to say, like, what happened here? It was just, it was a lot of things that that sort of had them take a step back in year two. Um, And then the Zayon thing, Zayon Collins was just, that's, I can understand why T.J. Otzenberger's heart might not be in it at that point because, like, everything that they, from the minute he took the job, like, everything that you heard from the program was like, we've got to get Zayon Collins. Zayon Collins is the key to everything. We've got two years to recruit him. Then he's going to come here. We're going to make the NCAA tournament all four years that he's here. We're going to get so many other recruits because he's here. Like, this guy is the key to everything. UNLV is going to be back. 
And then they got him, and it was like full steam ahead. Like this is everything. Like now we're we're really running. And then you know, obviously he gets into that that car accident, and you that. So once that happened, it was Iowa State opens up. T.J. Otzenberger is gone. Like that, it was. That's why you say like they're cursed. Like that's a cursed program. When it, they finally look like everything is going so right, and this is the program is finally turning the corner, and then something so like tragic and even beyond basketball happens, um, and then you see T.J. Otzenberger take a two-win team to the Sweet 16 in one off-season. Um, yeah, that's where that the, that curse talk kind of kind of comes from. In the context of Otzenberger going from taking a two and twenty-two team to the Sweet 16. How high should our expectations be for Kevin Kruger in year two? Like, should we put genuine, hey, you need to build an NCAA tournament level team for year two on Kevin Kruger? Yes. Yes. They 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 should be in the NCAA tournament next year. They should be, you know, on Selection Sunday, we should be, they should be relevant on Sunday. We should be talking about their, their at-large resume. What big wins did they have? Um, where they might be headed? What seed line they're on? Like, that, that should be a conversation we're having in March next year. Um, and I think the coaching staff believes that too. Like they, I think were encouraged by the way they were able to bring the team together this season, the way they were able to compete in the mountain West. And I think if you're a fan, you should be encouraged by what you saw them get out of the transfer portal. Like they went into the, the belief, you know, they, they went out, they got some guys, they were sort of hunting for under the radar sort of uh, diamonds in the rough. And they found Royce Ham, a guy who didn't play at Texas, and then came here and was a double-double guy. Um, Donovan Williams, another guy who didn't play, he came here, people said he can't shoot, he's never played, he's all, all talent, no skill. And he has a really good season, like a breakout season. Now he's one of your cornerstones next year. I think the, the thinking within the program now is like, we've, We've established ourselves as coaches by finding these guys, proving we can win. Um, and now this year they're targeting the portal again. They're probably going to bring in like four or five transfer guys. But the the level they're recruiting at out of the portal, you can already see. They're not really going after these diamonds in the rough. Now they're just going after diamonds. Like they want guys who are proven <laughs> producers at the college level, like Jalen Llewellyn from uh, Princeton, a guy who's you know 18-point-per-game scorer, former four-star recruit. That's the first guy that they're targeting, you know, and he's got 20 other offers on his first day in the portal from Power Five programs. But UNLV and Kruger look like, okay, this is the kind of guy we can get now. So it's not. I don't think it's going to be like last off season where they're bringing in um, sort of unknown guys and sort of trying to coach them up and relying on their scouting eye to discover them. Now it's like we have Donovan Williams. We need four guys better than him out of the portal. Let's go get guys who have already produced at that level. So I think that's sort of the, the theme of the offseason. And if they are successful there, you should be an NCAA team next year. Four seems like, I mean, with Bryce gone, four, seems, four seems like a lot. It's, that's what it takes to make the NCAA tournament. Like, you've got to have a lot of good players. Like, Donovan Williams is a, I think we're all encouraged, uh, if you're a UNLV fan, by the, the, the year that he had you're not going to make the NCAA tournament if you go in with him as your number one scorer, though. Like, you need probably a high-scoring guard. You need another double-double big man to replace Royce Ham. You need probably someone better than Royce Ham. You probably need uh, uh, two guards that are going to combine to give you more production than Bryce Hamilton. Um, you need more depth on the wing. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they need, but the, the great thing about the, the transfer portal is you can get that immediately. You can get guys who who are ready to produce immediately. So I think that's 
that's what it, the, the key to the offseason. They're going to go after guys who have already produced at that level. Um, so I think NCAA tournament is the realistic expectation for next year. Uh, what did you eat in Arizona? Not NCAA tournament uh, provided meals, which never showed up. I don't know why. Um, the room sat empty for the, the three days <laughs> I was there. Not complaining. Um, it might sound like I'm complaining, but I'm not. Uh, so I ended up having Chick-fil-A right on the Arizona campus. And what else did I have? And just a, a cheeseburger from my hotel. Nothing exciting. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can complain about I, the, the media meal not showing up. Like, was it promised? three days they had, they didn't even have snacks? No, they had a, you know, like, they had, like, a separate room, like, area cordoned off for, like, it said media meal. <laughs> and then they said, it's coming, guys, it's coming. And then uh, they have, like, the chafing dishes all set out and, like, um, plates and silverware and all that, but there was never any food. It was like a, if you go to, like, a, a mock home and it's, like, a, all staged on the inside with, like, the fake TV and the fake furniture and all that, that's kind of <laughs> what it was. It was, like, a fake media meal. Like, when is there food at, there's... The, the, the dishes are always dry. There's nothing, not a single thing in there. I'm not complaining, though. I'm not complaining. No, no, obviously not. <laughs> no, but so what we just learned is that apparently the Super Bowl finally out-catered somebody no. for yes, the media. Absolutely. Your $5 apple. My $5 apple. I'll take that over Bowl. nothing. Yeah. All right. He's Mike Gravala from the Las Vegas Sun. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, guys. No clean, meal, clean plates, clean silverware. <laughs> the best is the sign. If it didn't have the sign, then you. But when well, you walk in, it says media meal. You expect something. So it'd be one thing to just not have a media meal, and right. that that'd be fine. Right, but fine. to have a whole area set up yeah. and say, "We got it's food coming, coming boys," it's coming. And just nope, nothing shows up the entire time. Well, I think that was part of the like the confusing part of the Super Bowl was it's like you guys have all these tables with like serving trays yes. on them. <laughs> And nothing there but what was it? Pepsi Zero. Yes, there are a lot of Pepsi Zeros and Gatorades. Yeah, a lot of Gatorades. That Pepsi Zero and go out to the little food cart. Five dollar apple. That's All what's right. important. All right. Coming up next, we'll stick with the NCAA tournament. I wanted them to have their own testimonies, their own stories, their own memories of putting on that Carolina uniform and coming up big and big time moments and big time games and. As a coach, that makes you so proud to be able to see the smiles on these faces and see these guys step up. It is all because of them, and I'm so proud of them. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. We have not given enough attention to the St. Peter's Peacocks who are into the Sweet 16 after beating Kentucky and Murray State. They just nuked the entire state of Kentucky in the NCAA tournament, and they now take on Purdue in the Sweet 16 this coming up weekend. Um, Did you know anything about St. Peter's until the NCAA tournament? Absolutely nothing. Um, Nothing. I did not either. They are in Jersey City, New Jersey, which... Uh, is probably less creative than New York City, New York, right? Yeah. Did you see the uh, TikTok? My son showed me a TikTok yesterday of a guy walking around Jersey, uh, St. Peter's campus. Just trying to find anybody? Well, it was a street (laughs) with like a house. (laughs) And the kids got his video and he's like, this is St. Peter's. I think it was. I don't think, I think that it was true. And there were a couple houses and like a street, and the guy goes, Calipari should be fired. 
<laughs> he goes, it's fair. They it's a fair lost reaction. to this school, and we're not sure where it is because there's two houses right there. It's a fair reaction. Yeah. Um, my favorite uh, videos that I've seen, one was when they showed the live shot from St. Peter's Gym. With all the people and cheering. like it's smaller than the high school gym mm-hmm. that my high school basketball team right. had, and they were going nuts. I was like, that's crazy. the funnest place in the world right now. Uh, but also, did you see the St. Peter's Peacocks? They did not have uh, cheerleaders at the first game, but they got cheerleaders to the second game because Peacock TV, NBC's online streaming right. thing, paid for like a bus for their cheerleaders, and I'm assuming the hotel and everything, for them to go to the second game of the NCAA tournament so that St. Peter's Peacocks had their cheerleaders at their second game. It's a great story. That's, it is. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Right. That's absolutely amazing. Peacock TV was like, you know what? There's not many other things named Peacocks in Can the world. Can you imagine the difference even in the first game? They're looking down to their sideline. There's no one there. And then you look down to Kentucky's cheerleaders <laughs> who have like 76 cheerleaders <laughs> and 85 <laughs> dance members and a band. Did, does St. Peter's bring a band? That I do not know. I don't think so. There may have been more people who traveled to see their kid be a cheerleader at a at a March Madness game than traveled f- to see their kid play basketball for, for St. Peter's. Probably. Absolutely. I would. I, would I called my dad. He said he can't make it. Listen, if my if I had a kid, terrible nightmare scenario, but if I had a kid who was a cheerleader, oh, I'm absolutely going to watch watch them in the NCAA tournament. Sure. Have you seen the like little, I, I don't know if they do it, I think they do it halftime, where each cheerleading group comes out and a guy for each side holds up a girl for each side and they see who can hold them up the longest? No, I mean... It I, is the funnest halftime competition I've ever seen. It's better you than mean, a dude on a bike. So Kentucky comes out, not St. Peter's, let's say Gonzaga comes out, Memphis comes out, they're right. one of two, for, and they see who can hold them right. up the There's longest. A, yep, um, yep, a guy cheerleader for each side holds up a girl for each side, and whoever is the last standing wins. I mean, they don't win anything, I don't think. but Strongest man alive. Yeah, it's great. It's phenomenal. Well, I've not, they show, are they showing that? Yeah, like I've seen it like three or four times when they like come back from commercial. Okay, and I that's paid, it. I haven't yeah. paid attention. They don't, they don't like have a live stream on I was going to say, I haven't paid attention no, on but that. But just like they'll come back from commercial or halftime or something, and you just see the two cheerleaders struggling until one drops the girl. Well, catches her, but drops the girl <laughs> from here. Catch her. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Susie, I'm winning this no matter if you're going down or not. I will say that one of the most underrated... The, one of the most underrated like parts of the spectacle of a, watching a like semi-professional or professional basketball game is the cheerleader that you're like, oh no, oh no, 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 she's gonna, oh thank God they caught yeah. her. Oh. oh yeah, I see. I I think that all the time. Like they're gonna drop her. So, TCU Arizona last night. I would just like to state that number four for TCU Trey Lampkin is my new favorite player. That guy celebrated every basket yeah. he made like he scored a goal in soccer, and it was incredible. I gave I mean, the kid credit for dropping 70 pounds. It was incredible. That guy is amazing. I love him. I want him on whatever basketball team I'm watching for the rest of time. I wanted so badly for him to hit a game-winning buzzer beater Yeah, because he would have lost it. Oh, I yeah, mean, he would have lost his mind. He would have been somehow like half-naked running yes. through the arena. Like yelling at Arizona, it was unbelievable. That guy was incredible. I'm disappointed that he lost because I wanted to see him keep playing because every time he scored, he celebrated. Like there was no like, yeah, I I used to put back offensive rebound for two. No, it was the biggest moment of his life every time he scored. 
What did you think about the non-Colin half court? Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. You know who swallowed his whistle? I don't. Eric Curry from the Mountain West. Okay. Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. All right. And the Pac-12 and the WCC. (laughs) Yeah, but I just, I don't know. He gets knocked down right in front of me. I, I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. It's the it's the same concept as it. Baylor's full court trap. Yeah, I mean we're gonna. But they pre- weren't we're calling like that the whole second. Right, half. right. I and mean, they were calling a lot of reaches. I mean, they were they didn't let them play like uh, Baylor in North Carolina. Who are you more worried about, Gonzaga or Arizona? I think Gonzaga. Eric, man, that kid at Arizona, that pro they have last night, he went Moeller. Mothie or I, I don't know how to say it either. I mean, I was going to let you struggle that through kid, it. <laughs> that kid, and they're athletic, and they're big, and they're tall. And I hadn't seen Arizona live very much. Well, we saw them at T-Mobile, mm-hmm. but man, I was watching. And TCU, great for TCU. They played really well, but that kid's really, really good. So I think I might be more worried for Gonzaga. Gonzaga has not looked very good through two games. Uh, but had sometimes a- that means they'll also go on a run. Right. Um, I think I'm more worried about Arizona because Houston is much better than Arkansas. That's going to be a great game. Houston, athletically. Houston might be better than Duke yeah. and Texas Tech in yeah. the other side of Gonzaga's region.